Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? Welcome, one and all, to Series 3 of the Howie Games Artist Series. It features one of Australia's most successful recording artists and lover of cricket and footy, Guy Sebastian. Stats, like any athlete, Guy has plenty of them. The only male artist with six number one singles in ARIA chart history, over 1 billion, 1 billion streams, 82 ARIA platinum certifications, lots of numbers that all basically say the same thing. People dig Guy's tunes. Launched by winning Australian Idol, Guy has worked incredibly hard to become the megastar that he is today. But the beauty of Guy... The beauty of Guy, he doesn't act like a megastar. He's just like one of your mates, down to earth, takes the you-know-what out of himself. He's a really normal dude until he starts singing. Then Guy Sebastian is far from normal. Guy has recently released another single, the feel-good banger, I Choose Good. This is a tune that will give you a lift. That's why I chose you. That's why I From singing as a kid to his big break, stardom, a huge cricket innings, footy, shifting steel in the gym, and a Howie Games worldwide music exclusive, a first-time release job. Not words that I ever thought I'd be saying when we started the podcast. That is coming up. Here is an episode full of joy and happiness. Thanks to the legend that is Mike Connor from Sony Music Entertainment Australia for making this episode possible. Enjoy the story of Guy Theodore Sebastian A.M., the most talented dude in the room. Well, this is a big treat. There's a lot of excitement. Tommy and I are pumped this man has come in. Uh, Our man Tommy who produces this show, he sent me a message during the week. He said, this bloke's a weapon and he is a weapon. His name is Guy (laughs) Sebastian. He joins us on the Howie Games Artist Series. Guy, we, we get excited about athletes coming in here, but we don't get to deal with many genuine rock stars. So thanks for wandering in here. How are you going? Very good. How are you? Know, see, I'm the opposite. I, I get excited meeting athletes. Right. Being a, it's it's funny because when you when you're a public person, people that yep. they think you, you think differently or something. But I, I'm a fan of a lot of different people. So whenever I meet, I mean, even for me, it's people that I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big Adelaide Crows supporter. So you know, we've just done this partnership with my foundation actually and, and so even going there and meeting all those guys who I watch on telly every week it's a buzz for me as well so it's um yeah well you would you were down there in the gather round because I was reading mm. about it and your man Josh Rochelle said he was in awe Matthew Nick said he went <laughs> into full fangirl for 10 <laughs> minutes when you wandered into the room you had your young blokes there I think didn't I you did. as well it was a good week to go it's funny because I, I I popped down to Adelaide a fair bit this this year and this season I caught a couple of games but that game in particular, um, they had a big win. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, you're down in the change rooms and the, we went in before, before the game as well. So my, my little one, uh, he's, you know, he plays AFL. He's just won his first flag. I keep trying to tell Did him. He? But he's 11, right? And it's funny as, as a dad because I grew up playing a lot of footy and like I'm watching my 11-year-old play. And so he's in under 12s, I think it is, and, and 
So it's starting to get a few blues and they're, you know, they're a bit rough and, and it's different when you're a dad and yeah, you see your kid go is. through that for the it first is. time. It's like, it's almost like being at school when people are roughing each other up. It's like weird. It's, it's, so I'm watching him and, you know, there's a few elbows and stuff off the ball and a few bit of name calling and does something to you. I don't know. I'm that dad that has to just step away a little it's, bit. It's, it's funny because I, I do this through cricket. And yeah. I do it through football and then with my daughter through netball and athletics. And footy's the one where you're on the – I'm a lot more aware of reading about concussion in AFL football now yeah. because all of a sudden my 11-year-old son is playing and you look at it and it's it's a different thing being a, a footy father or mother, it I is. think. And they're, and they're copping big hits they at that are. age. In Sydney, so he, he plays for the Maroubra Saints. Like I said, he just won his first flag. It was a toweling. I think it was like 40 – it was low scoring. It was like forty six to seven, okay. I think, and um, and they they're pretty unstoppable. The Maroubra Saints, but I keep telling him, mate, you you don't understand. Like I played footy my whole life. We never won a flag, and there's a lot of so people never that never stood on ne- the day. Never never won a flag, but but uh, you know it is. It, it gets a bit more rough. But in Sydney, a lot of them wear the um the NRL headgear. A lot of these kids yeah. wear wear the headgear. But yeah, it is different because you know, I think if if you played footy as well, you know. It, you get hit hard, and so yeah, you, you suddenly a dad. You're like, oh, look after his little head. So the idea of this, this the artist series was to get people that are that are artists, mm. but that have an interest in sport. And sometimes it's like your man, Tame Impala, who really doesn't have much to do with sport, but he was he was the number one ticket holder for Fremantle Dockers. So we talk about sport for two minutes, then we get in. Oh, I feel with yeah. you, we we could do the full hour and a half <laughs> on sport. sport yeah. um, you are here um, to chat with us, but the new single is out, I Chose Good. Now, mm. I've just been in Tassie with my family, and it's been on loop. Really? And, well, oh, we like good. Feel Good, and yeah. it's a feel-good song. So congrat- we'll get to the sport, but congratulations. My 13-year-old, Dad. This is a banging tune. Oh, there so you go. I think, that, I think that's respect. I think that's a good term oh, I think it is. All the young kids are saying banging. But it's, it's positive. <laughs> it's, it's a it nice is. positive. There's a lot of negativity in the world these days. Yeah. It's, um, it's a Look, good I, po- I think I try and sound like surround myself with as much positivity as, as I can. Don't get me wrong. Like I love a bit of trash TV and I love a bit of drama and, and stuff. Just, um, for me, I think I mainly like the, you know, there's, there's like dating shows and stuff I'll sit and watch with my wife. Cause there's so much drama, <laughs> but it's mainly because we sit there it, like, she's so affectionate with me during those times. Cause I think there's so many grubs on these shows that she goes, <laughs> You're actually a good man. You're a good guy. Okay. Forget okay. what I said to you this morning. We were trying to get the kids ready for school. Exactly. You're okay. But I mean, I'm on the voice. No negativity on that. No. You know, there's no. We never tear shreds off anyone. Actually, it's the opposite. Even when people don't get a chair turn, our whole like we talk about it like all the time is how do we still make this great for them? Let's get up. We'll do a little duet. Or these are guitarists. Keith, do you want to jump up and do a little thing? And such a nice, positive environment to be around. And um. You know, for for music releases as a first release, because I've been making a lot of songs yeah. lately, just writing the next album, and it's always nerve wracking when you're like, okay, what am I going to release first? That kind of is a bit of a, a summary of what this new project is, and it's nice actually going a little positive and fun. You know, something that's a bit more light hearted and and. In, you know, and then I can get a bit deeper into the, the more emo and, and w- songs. I'm fascinated. I, I mean, I've got so many questions for you, but firstly about sport, but but on the music front, so you put out the new single, and I say mm. it's a it's a banger, um, and we love it in my household, not that we're music critics. 
even after all the success you've had and all the records you've broken and the, the number of number one singles and albums, is there apprehension? Is there nerves? Do you read critics or do you just put it out there and go, this is me, I love it, that's it? Yeah, that it, it's the latter. Yeah, oh, I, I, I think, nice. but but it wasn't always. I, th- I think because a lot of the time, especially when you're early on, I don't know if you ever fully shake the notion of when is the end, you know, when, when I think every artist, I mean, look at sports, people who are in mm. sports are the same, you know, I mean, in crickets, you might get the yips for a season. You might, you know, you might just, I don't know, you get something that, that makes you doubt yourself as an artist. It's always there. You're thinking, all right, there's always this peak in every mm. artist's career. And then there's like this kind of irrelevance, you know, that follows or whatever. So when's that happening for me? Am so, I playing the Bowen Heads Bowls Club? Yeah, well, it's – and it's, We and, love you down there, by the way. Oh, mate, and I'll, I'll head down there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I don't think it ever leaves you. And, and I see it somewhat as a positive as well if you channel it that way because yep. it makes you um, not be lazy. It makes you – you know, sort of capitalize on the opportunity that you've been given. Like I, I had a pretty unique entry into mm. the industry where people literally, it was 55 cents and people have seen me on telly and gone, I want to help make his dream come true. Oh, like, 55 cents to texting, to texting guy to over Shannon. Idol, right, yeah. right. So what a weird way to enter the industry. These people that I don't, it's like the ultimate transaction of artistic kindness. It's like, I, I love what you do. I'm going to, Spend my own money yeah. so that you can get a record deal and do this for a living. Like, so what it did was almost establish this sense of don't screw this up. Don't mess this up. Work your ass off and, and just keep going. And, um, and I've done that. Like I've really worked hard. But I, I will say you never really shake that feeling, I think, as an artist of like you love it so much that you go, I don't want it to be over. And, and it's not really in my control. All I can control is the art that I put out and how much integrity it has and how much I believe in it. So I think that feeling of needing to prove a point for me, it's, I can't, I don't think anyone can say it's gone completely because I think you lose a lot of drive in that sense, Mm. but it's, it's massively, you know, definitely like scaling to a, a, a small part of why I do things. Like I, I don't really see it as the measure of success for me, you know, to charts and uh, even the charting thing changes so much well, because it now it's... Six number ones, only male artists to ever do it, seven Arias, 20 top 20 singles, 10 top 10 albums. The, the number that got me though, when, when I was reading about you, and I, this is, I'm going to get to cricket because we've got to talk yeah, about yeah, cricket. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that blew me away... Streaming, obviously, music is streamed these mm. days. Guy Sebastian, over one billion streams. So that mm. means people that are listening. Someone has decided, a group of people over one billion times, <laughs> they've woken mm. up in the morning and think, you know what? I'm going to listen to old mate Guy Sebastian today. It's pretty cool, isn't it? What what what, what is yeah. it like? That, that's a, that's a phenomenal thing that. A billion times people have decided, right, I'm going to listen to the guy's music today. And it's a, it's a cool number to hear oh, as well because, I mean, because cool when you sell a CD, you don't know how many times people are listening to it, you know, whereas with, with a digital platform. I like that you're rolling out CDs. <laughs> but, but it, it, you know, I, I did start when it was yeah. about the single, you know. We'd go and do in-store signings. You'd do a, a mall performance and, you, and you'd sign your single and, and the industry changed so much. So I think it, here's the thing that I've – learnt is, is, is 
I don't think people can really help it. I think it's ingrained in what sort of person you are and it's not really your faults. But so there's a lot of people that are majorly stats driven. You know, I, I met, like I've hung out with Ed Sheeran a few times and he came up to me on a balcony and goes, I, I've, I've got the record for fastest selling album, every country and blah, blah, blah. I beat Adele here and I've got blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's unhealthy or whatever, but then he goes, except here. I can't knock you off the, and I didn't even know at the time. Right. Like so, so I thought maybe surely that's been trumped, but I apparently I, I've got the highest, uh, fastest selling album in in a in a week sale or something, some stat. But to me, I think what that highlights is there's there's a lot that I try and pass on even on the voice where I, I say to people be very careful what you decide as like the measure of success mm. be because re- if you if you don't decide on a goal nothing's ever good enough so you, you you could be you know someone who's hugely famous and 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 world renowned and still chasing something or feeling like you're you haven't done quite enough and for me, it's like I, I never really, and I, I never really set any specific numbers or anything like that. So, I, how do you measure success? F- for me now, I measure because uh, I've ticked so many things that I never even thought I'd be able to get to. Yeah. For me now, it's more about the integrity of what I make. So it's hmm. it's more the feedback that I get from not just peers but fans, and like I released a song called "Standing with You," you know, centered around mental health and. I, I have such a unique, you know, ability to actually get feedback from people, even just via social media. My my son went through this and he had severe mental health issues. His song really helped him. Someone mm. this morning, um, Mike, who's here from Sony outside, heard two people at the airport yesterday say, oh, I really struggle. Oh, the air hostesses, they were like, I really struggle with mental health through COVID and your song standing with you really helped me. So what does that mean when you hear Well, that? for me, it's like, cool. <laughs> Does that mean more to me or does it mean, or, or am I going to look at the streaming numbers and go, oh, but that didn't sell as much as oh. Battle Scars or whatever. So I, I don't know, but I also acknowledge that that's all well and good when I've been doing it for 20 years and I'm comfortable, you know, but when you're grinding, mm. those numbers probably mean a lot more and you're a lot more insecure whether, you know, you're going to make a living off this. So I don't know, it's hard to say what the rules are, but I think, it, you know, definitely across the board, you've got to be really careful what you measure as, as success. I had this, um, this, I, I was at one of my kids, like, you know, they do recitals and stuff and it was at NIDA in Sydney and, and this girl sung, she was great. She sung, she was year six, really good singer. And then I'm waiting in the, in, you know, afterwards in the little gathering area and, yeah. and this, I think it was our uncle or someone came up to me and he's like, oh, you heard blah, 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 sing. And she's right there and all the rellos and all the friend, friends are there. She's a superstar. She's Ooh. a star. She's going to be blah, blah, blah. I don't care what it costs. I'll give you, uh, I want you to teach her. I want you to give her singing lessons and blah, <laughs> she, she's going to be a star. She's blah, blah, blah. And I, and I was really confronted by it because mm. I thought, oh, I could just let this go and just, you know, just smile or whatever, smiling. Yep. Um, but I went, mate. It's not a star. And he was a bit taken back. And I said, Mate, she sings well. Like, she sings nicely. Like, she, but you've just said, Oh, she's going to be bigger than this person. She's going to be, you've already defined what success looks like to her. So, how's she going to love it? Like, she's in year six. Mm. Like, let her just love it first and let that be her fuel. But you've already defined for her that 
like success only looks like this. Yeah. And, and so if she never meets that, it's always going to look like a failure. So it's probably the thing I see as the biggest Achilles heel of creative people. They don't, they don't sort of appreciate the journey because they're like, oh, you know, well, I've only got a thousand streams. So hang on, a thousand people just listen. Yeah. You just started out, you know, this is amazing. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a numbers person so anymore. On that, say I was trying to learn a guitar guy and I was struggling with singing and I said to you, how much for a singing lesson? What, like, what type of price do you, what, what are, you are you a $1,000 an hour man? Are you $10,000 an hour man? Like, where, where do you think we're coming in at? No, I don't, I don't know if I could put a price on, I, I don't think <laughs> I'd, I don't think, I, I think I'd just. If I like you, I'll probably, okay. I, I, I mean, I had, I had Steve Smith came over for a, for a lesson just not too long ago. How he's, did he go? He, he's oh, he's good. He's, he's really passionate. good. Yeah. He's, no, Steve's really musical and he's really good. And, and Works um, hard at his guitar. I, I think for me, I've mainly wanted to get batting lessons off him, to be <laughs> well, honest. It's a, it's a fair quid pro quo. You teach me singing, I sing you to bat. Now, cricket, cricket. Tell me, um, what was your first bat? First bat was probably, it would have been cheap. Um, I think it was just the team bat, this little single scoop, grey nickels, yeah. Grey nick out of the scoop. I reckon it was a single scoop. Now, I I want to talk to you about cricket, but I... And then a V100. Oh, you got a V100? I remember getting it, yeah. I got a text message here because I remember being at the cricket and Brett Lee said, uh, Binger was, uh, he had to go and, I don't know if it was Preston, his young bloke, had something coming up or if Binger was going to play in one of those Legends Leagues, he said, I'm going down to have a hits in the nets with Preston and my mate Guy Sebastian. I said... Like, this is a man that just rolls out <laughs> Dice Sebastian or Elton John. Anyway, I messaged him to say, now give me some information on your man guy. This is what he said about you as a cricketer. Yeah. Okay. Yes, mate, he can play. He's a natural athlete. Bowling action, as smooth as his voice. Oh, Batting-wise, good, but a bit sus outside of stump. Likes to fish for the ball. Mate, a I'll real nick-off candidate. I cut the pants off everything. <laughs> right. When it's not there to cut, right. I'll, I'll try and cut the pants off it. So the problem is his brother Shane was actually nipping it. <laughs> right. Like, mate, he was cutting it a mile. Right. So I'm trying to cut everything and just, yeah, nicking off everything. So you, you love cricket as a kid? Love cricket, yeah. And, and so played cricket? Played a bit of cricket, yeah. yeah. I, I played... Um, Quite a lot of club cricket. I played for Tea Tree Gully, which okay. is a, a, South like a South Australian team. Yeah. They, they, I mean, Buffer was there. I think Greg Blewett went through the gullies. Yeah. Um, even Carl Hooper, I think, did a he bit was. of a stint. He Carl married Hooper an was there. Yeah. Still lives in South Australia yeah, now. He's a gr- yes. So what, what was your best day on a cricket field? Don't worry about team. Okay. Personally, like <laughs> a bag of wickets, top score. I want some statistics. Um, you, you don't want to talk about your billion strengths, but I want some Mike Hussey cricket numbers. All right. Look, I'll, I'll probably say... I had some innings when I was younger, but probably the most memorable one yep. is not that long ago. It was a few years ago. So post idol and everything. And what's funny is when you when you're a when you're someone on telly or you're a singer or whatever. When you're a rock just, star guy, you well, can say but it. They when just you're a rock immediately star. go, he's gonna be rubbish. <laughs> and and I'm not look, I'm not amazing. I'm I'm not like completely useless. I'm somewhere in between. But on this particular day, I was seeing the ball like watermelons. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> we bowl the first week. And it, and I don't ever play for this team. So I filled in. It was for Marrickville Cricket Club. Right. And a mate of mine, Christian, asked me to fill in. And I think I batted at first. I did. I batted at first drop. And they had some fairly – there was one bloke in particular who was quick. Young bloke, like long, big levers. Like he was genuinely quick. Is there sledging going on as you come oh, out Oh, mate, that? it's all Shannon Knowles. Oh, <laughs> Knowles, he should have won. Oh, he thinks he can play. Like it's it's 
foul. Like, it's pretty full on. They, <laughs> because, were, mate, they when, were nice, but... When I play, I got one last year. I still play now because I want to be able to play with my son. So where do you play? Uh, Bowen Heads, down the coast at my local, where I live, like in, my, full, in a little town. full game or like what, 2020? You, uh, we play 40 overs a side. So oh, uh, Saturday cricket, when I'm I not Can I fill off, in one day? Mate, you can come down. There's a spot for you. Oh, I will. But... Um, I was batting last year, and I'm I'm not the most sort of dashing style operator. Yeah. I'm not Glenn Maxwell. I'm more Chris Tabaret. <laughs> and I've probably oh, five off eight overs at this point. First slip, mate, I thought you were a boring commentator, but by gee, you're even more boring as a batsman. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> really flattened me, guy. Jeez, I mean, he, really did, he left me. you nothing. Nah, like, have a go at my sporting uh, ability. Even old mate up the other end, I'm batting with his <laughs> laughing his head off. So anyway, you're facing the quicks at Marrickville. So I'm facing the quicks. First ball, bouncer. Yep. Quick. Wasn't expecting right. it, to be honest. Helmet? Because... You got a helmet on? Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So Full I've got a helmet. Full face guard with a face like yours. And, and some... Um, I'm thinking, oh, geez. And and I've played a defensive pull shot, which would have looked ugly. Right. It would have. It would have been, it was a scared shot. Top edge for six. <laughs> oh, six. And so, and and then I think they're going, oh, he's, you know, he's shitting himself. He's blah, blah, blah. So the next ball, another, he bowls another bumper, but I've pulled it for six. Right. So then they're going, pitch it up, pitch it up. I think he bowled, he must have bowled a, a full one. Just I've, I've hit a little leg glance off my pads for four. And then maybe blocked a couple. I think there was another boundary. I think they dragged him after that over. Took him off. Took him off for a few games. Just rested him for a while. But it's funny. It was funny to watch the progression of sledging to just what we're like as blokes. And we're all like it. I'm like it as well. Where you're sledging someone, you've summed them up, as I do sometimes as well. And then you realize... Actually, he's one of us. He loves cricket. Yeah. He loves the game. He yeah. loves it. And so then they just treated me like an equal. We were having a bit of a laugh. But mate, when I say I was seeing them like watermelons, I'm whipping them across to like over mid-wicket. So they move square leg, you know, a, a little bit more square to mid-wicket. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just, I'm just going to walk across my stumps and flick it back to where he was over square leg. That's is, how I was seeing This is Brian Lara's style operation. 153 not out. 153 <laughs> not out. Heaven's above, man. <laughs> It was so good. 153 not out. Only game I played for him. And then Christian rings me at the end of the- 153 not out. Yeah. Yeah. That's my high score. And then Christian rings me and goes, mate, you got the batting trophy for me. Because you don't have to score 150 to qualify. (laughs) No, no. I think like it was the highest score of the season for Maryville or something. I think. I'll have to confirm that. I don't want to- Well, I I did look. I looked at- uh, Tommy sent me a clip of you facing Nathan Bracken and my immediate thought was, oh, he probably has a bit of a hit, but he's a rock star. I had the same. And I thought, wow, this man, he looks like he can- I didn't know you're a 153 style man. But the thing is, I'm only talking about the good ones here. Right. That's okay. That's okay. But I do play- LMS, so last man stands, it's called. They got it here as well. Yep. And um it's just 2020. Everyone's just having a bit of a laugh. Yep. But you know, it's quite competitive and all the stats are on. Like you can it's scoring in live, like yep. it's really cool. So I play that. It's over in two hours. I got kids now, so playing a 40 over matches it a little harder, but I'll make an exception. I'll come down and come to, to Barwon Heads, mate. Yeah, we'll I'll, get you down there. The mighty done. Seagulls. We had a pretty good year last year. Um, although we had an issue in C grade, the team I played for, we made the grand final. But you'll like this yeah. because this this is, can only happen in, in cricket um, out in regions where I play. <laughs> um, we're all set. The boys are set for the grand final. Grand finals on Saturday. Find out on Tuesday ineligible player played in the semi. You know qualification, how many yeah, games? Yeah, yeah, you've got to have a few games, yeah. So the team we knocked over complained. Oh, and, you're uh, joking. 
boys got punted out of the grand final. So there's um, it's the re- it's the year of redemption for the Seagulls, 23, oh 24. God. So if you come, it's we funny need... funny how, how seriously well, people take... We need to, if you come down, we need to make sure there's a full clearance oh, from yeah, Marrickville. I'll register. We don't want you costing us another no. potential grand final. Back to guys shortly. Next up on the Howie Games Artist Series, we are going with a genuine all-rounder, a man that knows a lot about a lot. Former Master Chef judge, now just a juggernaut, really, Matt Preston. I think when when Master came along and that happened really quickly, there was a sense. Again, because it was we were filming in Sydney, three guys from Melbourne doing it. There was a definite sense that we kept each other honest. And so, you know, if we were, if we started acting like a dickhead or going, oh, good, where are we going to go? Got to get a taxi. Where's the limo? Or if right. did, the other two would just. Pile on top and go, don't, don't be ridiculous. You could be digging ditches. Pull yourself together. You don't together. seem to be that type of. No, no, but no, but yeah. But the thing is, and you see it with 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 young kids, with beautiful young kids, or footballers, or or tennis stars, they get signed up by a big management yep, company. Yep, they get in the year, and these absolutely beautiful people turn around really quickly because because they they start to believe they are something. And I think the advantage we had is is we were being told not just by our partners, but also being told by each other on the show that look, mate. We're not digging ditches for a living. Um, it's great. It's just food. We've got to be honest. We've got to do what we love. We've got to be we, – we all – none of us wanted to play the the kind of normal reality TV show games of, you know, the bad judge, yes, the good yes, judge, whatever. Yes, yes. So so we, we, we came out we came out firing pretty much with this agenda. We just wanted to be supportive to people and, you know, and, and this lovely idea that, that it wasn't about winning. That is Matt Preston next week on The Artist Series. Let's get back to Guy. Now, we could talk about sport forever with you, but you just said you're coming down to Melbourne next week. So as we're doing this, it's just before the grand final. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're coming down for a golf week next week. So you've got, yeah. the, you've got the golf bug as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, golf. Right. So it's golf more than probably anything else. Right. Now. About golf. four years ago. Handicap? Oh, Have we got a handicap? Nine. Nine. Oh, oh, it's my phone. Hang on. Tommy. He's rolling out of no, Hang on. No, I, I want to be accurate here. Yeah. Nine point something. Okay. Nine point. We, we trust you, mate. It's okay. Right. Nine point six, we I think, last time guys. I checked. But right. So you love golf too. Love golf. Yeah. I'm a member at the Lakes Golf Course in Sydney. Oh, beautiful and, golf and then, course. Um, and that was good for me. It's a good place for me because it's, you know, narrows your misses a bit. And, um, and then I'm coming here. We've got reciprocal, I think, at. Victorian and Metro, oh, and I've, ne- I've played neither of those, so right. I haven't figured out where I'm going to play next week. It's my mate's 40th. He's oh, the one fantastic. that got me into golf. We did this barn burgle, you know, oh, we, we did King, King Island as yep. well, so played Cape Wickham and Ocean Dunes, and um, I, it, it was so funny because we're there, and they're all like businessmen, right? My mate, he's got a tequila company with Jen Hawkins, and, and then um, he's got all these affiliates and friends and people that came on this show. They organized a trip. I was a bit of a tag along. Wasn't I maybe once or twice golfer, you know, every year. He goes, I'm getting you into golf, you're doing this trip. I was like, All right, all right, I'll come along. Mate, it was so bougie. Like they're they're playing golf and then they're Did ordering. You say bougie? It was so bougie. It's another this one what, of those. Knows t- what my kids terms. Say. Oh, really? It was very fancy. Very, very fancy. Bougie. Right? I love bougie. it, mate. So no we, wonder you're connecting with the 13 oh, yeah. year olds. So we got I got on this trip. Mate, they're drinking like Grange and and you know eating lobster and 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 then everyone's sort of we're drinking on the court, you know we're having nice scotch and stuff and I'm thinking, <laughs> where has golf been my whole life? Is this golf? Is this what we do? No, it was it was definitely not how golf has been since. There's no lobster or, or so, expensive so red wine with golf. But. And my daughter said. 
because I've literally come from the airport. And she said, mm. Dad, I think you need to put on something better to interview guys. I said, what, you never talk about what I wear. She said, yeah, but Dad, he's so stylish. And you've come in looking a million bucks. You <laughs> I look, look like sort a of, Saints Well, yeah, supporter. you've got a St Kilda sort yeah. of denim arrangement on. Mm. Um, on the golf course, are you as resplendent in your I'm attire? I'm a bit like Ricky Fowler, oh, okay. just not as, as good at golf. But, right. But I, I like monotonal look. So I'll go okay. all pink or I'll go all orange, you know, do a bit of a Ricky Fowler day. I I don't know. It's, it's meant to be fun. I like it. We could talk sport for a long, long time. Uh-huh. Uh, tell me a little bit about your family background. I, I wasn't aware and there's there's some Malaysian heritage and mm. some Indian heritage. Is the Indian heritage where your love of cricket came from or is that just an Aussie kid growing up? Aussie kid growing up. Yeah. yeah. So I came here when I was six. So you were born in Malaysia? Born in Malaysia. Right. Where yeah, about? Yeah. So um, in a place called Klang. Right. It's um, Port Klang. Um, yeah, I was six when I left. So I think I'd only, I only did like one year of school there. So some memories. And I've got some memories, yeah. yeah. Like and a small, a small place? Like a small. We were in, yeah, it was, it was quite communal. So all my cousins and my aunties and uncles, we kind of all did life together when, you know, huh. growing up. And then my dad was a geologist. So, so he'd be away for four weeks or, or, you know, and and a lot of time he'd come to Australia. That's why we ended up moving here. But he was working in Moomba in Adelaide. And so he's gone from Malaysia to Moomba away for five, six weeks and then coming home. Where's that? Somewhere in Adelaide? In Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah. It's where like a bunch of mines and stuff are. And so, so yeah, we, we sort of grew up. I, 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 um, it's a weird thing to explain because I never learned Malay. So I lived in Malaysia, but my parents only ever spoke English to me. My mum spoke Hindi. My dad could speak Malay and so stuff. So your mum's from India? Mom, so my mum's from India. They met my dad. Here's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and keep it short. My dad was studying in India. So he's, he's folks sent him, like, like he went over to India to study. To look at rocks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, to like to study and, 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 and yeah, get his education and then yeah. come back. I don't know why it was in India, but... In there, in those days, it was common to sort of just knock on a house and go, "Hey, I'm a student. Can I bill it at, at, at this house? I'll pay you rent or whatever." Huh. That was quite a common thing. But he sort of this is my 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 parents' love story, which my mum's, you know, her her version is a bit like stalkerish. It sounds a bit stalkerish. So, <laughs> do tell guy. My mum's my mum's from India, but she's kind of white with blue eyes. Okay. Right, she's very fair skinned Lots of um, English, Scottish, you know, when, when they, yep. English went over to build railroads and all that sort of stuff. So she's got some Indian, I think in there somewhere, Portuguese and Indian, but mainly English and Scottish. So this white girl with blue eyes walking down the street and my dad's in India studying. He's like, oh, she looks good. <laughs> you know, so he, he follows her to her house and bit, like knocks on the door and says, can I pay her in Pre-selected stalker, the billet. Pre-selected I billet. think that is stalkery. I think it is a bit, but it worked. He might get locked up these it days. Did, it worked. What's your dad's name? Ivan. Oh, good work, Ivan. Ivan. Yeah, and, and that's sort of how they got together. And, and starts romancing her. Yeah, and my mum sort of, oh, it was at a time, I guess, my mum had a tough life. Like she was orphaned. Like both her parents died and she was still in her teens. And so... Mm. All the kids are sort of helping raise each other and, and, you know, they didn't have a lot of money and all that sort of stuff. So then here comes Ivan. He's studying geology, you know. He's, he's going to be he's ready. A, what are you doing, Nelly? Go for this guy. Come. He will look after you. So, you know, a lot of my family are just like I, I, I just had a massive, huh. massive wedding 
you know, here and, and all the, all the mix of Indians and Malaysians, the best food you could ever imagine. The best family. We're all super close. And have you, have you been to India for the cricket? Not yet. No, but I I went to the IPL for the first time this year and I'm going to the last three weeks of the world cup to work. I'm considering going for the world. I was, I was, like I said, I was with Smithy the other day and, and he said it would be a Pretty incredible time. Well, ago, he would know better than I, but yeah. I can't. I can't. All the cliches about the love for cricket. Oh yeah, it's time to thousand. Yeah, well, mate, they recognise even in the commentary last night. I was up watching the cricket last night. We had a win last night. We needed win. a win. It got a bit scared. I mean, I thought we were going to get about four hundred the way mm. we were going, and and um, and Maxie got four for. We needed that, mate. And he bowled like mm. like it was interesting seeing where all his. Uh, where he's he was pitching it, it was yeah. so consistent. He just he's, trapped, he's he forced Coley to. It was unreal. I loved it. I so lo- you're watching. The so cricket. I'm watching cricket. They were even on the cricket in the commentary. They were talking about like the commentators were saying. You know, even you get recognised down here. And mate, a mate of mine is Andre Adams. You know, he played for New Zealand, yeah. and and uh, he was telling me he goes into random little shops in India. They're like. Oh my God, Andre Adams! <laughs> he played years He's ago. Like your beauty. Years ago for New Zealand, they love their cricketers. So. I think you need to go. Um, yep. Smithy will look after you. Um, yeah. Uh, so, when does music? Is it a musical family? Are you a? Are you an outlier? Is there other musicians in the family? Yeah. Do you, could could you always sing? Yeah, I I, I think I could always sing because um, from a young age. I remember just hearing, I, I think it was Sam Cooke or The Platters or something. The first song mm. I ever learned was that, um, only you can make others where I seem right. My dad had this great soul collection of, huh. of music. It was, you know, <laughs> Sam Cooke he loved. Um, and as a kid, I heard this soul music being played and I was like, what is that? So here, yeah. I want to do that. And so from that point on, I was just glued to a stereo, you know. The, How old are we talking? I was about, it was still in Malaysia, so right. so I would have been six. So as a kid, that six. was like, that grabbed oh, you. And, I, and I'd sit by the radio and just, you know, the, the, in those days, you know, as we all do, we'd make our own mixtape. So you'd sit there on, you know, while the top 40 or whatever, Rage or whatever's playing and you get ready and play play, you play a record, you know, and you make You're your mixtape. <laughs> yeah, You're talking so. about CDs before. Oh, yeah. My now kids are listening now. To tape. What is he talking <laughs> Tape? Yeah. Tape? So, so I'd get my favourite songs and, you know, my taste... I've got a really broad taste, so I, I, you know, throughout various parts of my life, then I discovered the Beatles, and um, I was very kind of sheltered in in a very restrictive kind of church setting. That was um, there's a lot of positivity out of that, and then probably a, a lot of things I look back on and think, oh, that was a bit weird, and then and so there was um, all, all these positive things I've got, but also. I think it probably limited what I listened to. Oh, as so well. musically so it limited. Musically, yeah. Okay. So, so then in my late teens, I suddenly discovered the Beatles. Yeah. But in particular, I discovered things like Boys to Men and R and B music. Okay. Like Brian McKnight and all these great R and B like singers. So I would record their songs. And then it'd be, I'm not joking, five, six hours. They they might do this thing where it's like, oh, 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 and I would hear them do that lick and, and, and I, it would be hours and, and it takes a long time to be able to get that fluid, like years and so years. So you to, practice it. I would sit there going, slowing it down. So I'd be like, oh, 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 oh. 
it get faster and faster until it's like, oh, and, and, and I'm talking five, six hours ago by. Huh. And and so that was really what I think my school was because I never had lessons or anything, but my school was listening to my favorite singers, mimicking them to like till I could nail it. Like I would have to nail it before I got up. And that was at five, six years old. And then, um, yeah, just it sort of evolved from there. And then sport was mainly the focus, I think, throughout childhood. But I always loved music and I sung at church and stuff. And then um, there came this time at school when – I think one of the teachers had passed away um, unexpectedly and I sang this song called One Sweet Day by Boys to Men and Mariah Carey. How's it go? Um, the, so it's all, it's all dealing with like someone passing. So the chorus is, And I know you're shining down on me from heaven Like so many friends we've lost along the way and I know eventually we'll be together one sweet day. So this really like emotional thing. And and I'm sitting there. My only thought is like, what are all the boys going to think? Like, what are they? Because at that, at, at that time, it was, they only really knew. Like I was just at, like into sport. And, How old are you? And singing wasn't really something that you, you know, you were. How old are you at this I think I was. 13? So you're, you're 13? The, you're at, sp- in a chapel, so like in a school assembly. Sport Billy, and then it's like someone obviously at the school knows that you've got Yeah, this. yeah, the music teacher, Mrs. Vanderflag, she she was like, I oh, you got something Vanderflag. you should do. Yeah, and you so you're standing up there thinking, this. oh, what are the boys going to think about? Yeah, and, and, and so I'd, I'd, I'd play huh. drums a bit. So they knew I was musical because I played drums a little bit in the band and and then I got up and sung that and I looked at my shoes the whole time. I was so nervous and I looked up and there was people actually emotional and like, like you know, some teachers that had a few tears and I was like, oh, maybe I've got something here. And, and then people come up to you and the boy's like, bloody hell. <laughs> like, I didn't know you could do that. That was, <laughs> that was really good. So I think that, that was sort a of moment. probably turned a few heads with the ladies as well at 13. Mate, and I was a little chubber at that. Like I, right. I remember I wasn't, mate, I was, I was not. You know, I was not Thor. Right. I, I was, You're not the man you are I today. didn't get attention. Okay. And then I noticed like, oh, <laughs> what just happened? You just right. sing a few songs and suddenly you get a little bit of interest. So you go through school. You, you studied, yeah? What, what were you studying uh, in tertiary style? Uh, I, I At uni, I did medical radiation. Okay. Yeah. Medical radiation. Sounds fascinating. Yes. What is that, like x-rays or something? Yeah. Or? So, so okay. yeah, there's three streams you do, like radiographies, which right. is x-rays and ultrasound and stuff like that. And then you can do nuclear medicine, which I think was the toughest. That's like if you, like they insert a tracer. Say you've got uh, some okay. functional problems in your intestines, yep. I'll follow the tracer or whatever and where the block is, they can see, you know, where the, um, so that's nuclear medicine. That was probably a terrible summary for all the, um, Medical, uh, the radiologists, uh, but but okay. I did radiation therapy, which is like treating cancer. So when you get radiotherapy, okay. and um, I did two and a half years or something, close to three years, and and the, I remember I was doing my prac year, and I at the time I was in bands, I was touring, I was doing stuff, trying to juggle uni, and I was like broke beyond broke. Describe to me broke. Oh mate, I I ran out of petrol in my Datsun one twenty Y, and I I walked for about. Two and a half hours to Jules's house because I, I just left my your future car. wife. My yeah, mate. We've no, not I've, not to ask for cash. No, no, no. Just like I, I just needed to walk to somewhere, oh. so I just yeah got there. I, but it, I, I wasn't like dirt poor or anything. It was just it was at a time where I uni was at days. uni and uni I was days. and I was touring and I was singing in like a church band. No money, like not getting paid, and so it was mate, just. Mate, I had the uh, Deakin University second year sports management. 
got to the point where I had to go water instead of milk on the Sultana brand. Oh, I, I wow. needed the Sultana That's brand, but I couldn't bottom. afford the milk. So the, these things Jeez. happen. These yeah. things happen to us all. So in, in this stage, and you're going to become um, in, in the medical profession, is there something clawing you're saying about music's the way to go? Like are you trying to get your get your voice out there or not? Um, or, or is it just too hard at that stage to think, well, I can do this? Well, I, it, it's funny because it's sort of, it's a different time, right? There, there's no, there was no idol or, or those, there, there wasn't really any of those shows. I think that maybe the first pop star was just after that. And, and, um, and it wasn't like there was social media where it was like normal to just get up and yeah. get immediate feedback. Yes. Like you, it's not like you, you only had the feedback of people that kind of love you. And so, so you think, oh, but the masses, like, like, and there's also, no channel. There's no channel, is there? No, like but there? also that was a time where it was pop music was very much about a a predetermined kind of manufactured image that goes along with the product. So, oh, so the way you look as well as the oh, way you mate, sound. it was massive back then, and and it like because that was the days of huh. boy bands, girls. So NSYNC, Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, all of that was kind of Christina Aguilera. Everyone was gorgeous. And, and what and, were you bringing to the table with that? Mate, I'm just. Like chubby Malaysian Afro haired weird looking dude that that sings a few soul songs. Apart from that, you're <laughs> so, killing it. No, but 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 it, I know I know a joke about it. But it was that was definitely the thing where it wasn't a time where you'd see people nail it on social media. There was no social media. You just kind of conformed to what you thought your chances were. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll like I will keep doing music. But maybe I'll be a writer or a producer, and then I'll, I'll I'll finish my education. I'll do that. I'll get a proper job, and then I'll. Hmm. And so I think Idol was so popular because it, it, it. I know there was a lot of like, mate. There was a lot of people that knocked Idol when it first came. You're like, you don't deserve it. This mate, people do it tough in the pub scene. They do all of this, so which is all fair. It's, it's uplifting TV, though. It, it is, but but I also get the people who have done it tough because because. That's a legitimate thing. And so that was the normal route where people that you gig and you do it tough and some scout from an A&R, com- like, like company from Sony or something, sees you by chance and Come you and get signed. Come and sees you at the right? or wherever. Yeah, whereas here's an album that you've just released off the back of this TV show and it's broken a record that Ed Sheeran's going to cost you for on the balcony <laughs> later, right? Well, ho- hold the thought on you, the album for a sec. Yeah. To, to wind it back mm. without skipping too far ahead. So you, you walk in, I looked at the um, – I looked at it's on YouTube your your very first performance yeah. in front of um, Dicko and and Marsh's like gobsmacked. Just down there, guys. Cool. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good. Got a hell of a fro going on. Thank you very much. <laughs> is, that, is that bed hair or did you? It's the electric socket. Okay. Good. <laughs> what are you going to sing for us? I'm singing um, "Ribbon in the Sky" by Stevie Wonder. Okay, off you go. No worries. Oh, so long. For this night I pray To share with me this special day what So tell me about that day for you. you. You don't know your life's about to change. But, no, no But idea. looking back on it, that that's the day your life changes, I guess. It really was, yeah. I think it was after I, I played indoor cricket and we'd always have a bit of an, a, a, like, a, we'd have a little bit of a gathering afterwards. Yeah. So, so we just played indoor cricket. And, and we s- saw this ad come on and I was at, at some friend's house and, you know, this Australian Idol auditions and everyone in the room's going, mate, do it. You got to do it. Jules, do it. Because Jules sings too. So I was like, there's no way. And then Jules and I both decide, okay, we'll go. And 
I wake up a bit crook. It's really early. Get, had to get there like 6.30 a.m. or 7 a.m. or something. Is there a queue around the block type Massive queue. Is it? Round the block. Round the block. And it's, I can't even describe to you the energy of it. You, like, it's like everyone's Mr. G around you, just outwardly dancing and doing their thing, trying to sort of <laughs> like show everyone how good they are, right? And they know there's a few cameras around. And, and I'm really shy at that point, like to just go and So everyone's just bringing their thing. No, but you know what's weird is because what I was talking about before is what I thought the measure of success, like the the portal to this industry yeah. is how you look. So I'm hearing, yeah, I'm hearing some decent singers, whatever, but I'm looking around going, look how hot that girl is. Look how that dude's ripped. Like that, that guy looks like bloody Nick Lachey from, you know, right. 58 Degrees or whatever it's called. Oh, <laughs> right. Like... Uh, all I was thinking of was you got no chance. Like, because it, it's your look, that, not the vocals. No, because I I I did this trip here to like to Melbourne, saved up money, caught a train here, um, had these demos. I did an original, and and I did this this like Craig David two step version of Hello by Lionel Richie that that I'd produced in my bedroom and and some other song, and I made this little demo CD and I took it to all the labels, and almost all of them said. Maybe we love your voice. You just don't have the look of a pop star. You don't have you don't have the whole package as a pop star. So that uh, it wasn't just my own thought. It Not was what know. I had. And back then, they'd even write you rejection letters to like when you'd follow up. You'd go like, and and I had a couple of these letters in my top drawer in my bedroom where it was like a rejection letter of like, at this stage, you know, we're not looking at signing. You know, you you don't meet this criteria or whatever. And so, wow, that was all in the back of my mind while I'm in line looking at people going. He's good looking. She's good looking. Like what a weird, like superficial way to look at what a measure of success is. But I thought that's what it took. So then the show happens and what happened throughout that process is I'm looking at like really sort of, you know, classically attractive people get on stage, but they suck. And suddenly they're, it's just them. It's acapella. It's like, crickets you know and, and and them on stage not great awkward it, it was awkward because because suddenly I, I what i was saying before there was a lot of knockers of idol i think idol was part of this wave of educating everyone that like it's about talent but it really did shake up you know people's perception in at that moment of what pop music should look like it didn't it didn't need to necessarily be all about appearance and and it started this wave of turning that around i i think that's my opinion and 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 you know it's sort of made way for you know people like me and and other other people who i'm not saying i'm like this awful gronk looking bloke but it's it's changed that well, there was well, a Dicko, pivotal D- moment dicko chipped you on the way you look yeah you look uh, like crap head and shoulders the best voice we've heard today Marsha? What a beautiful gift. Thank you Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's time three. Oh, guy, what However, <laughs> you look crap, so yeah. we're going to have to work on yeah. that. Yeah. But, but that so was, did you endure before we started the show? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was yeah. a joy. That, seriously, that was a joy. So to listen to. you get through the audition and then the show starts. But it, it wasn't... It's not like a six weeks operation, was it? Was it like it goes for months? Oh, it went for ages. Months, months. Yeah. So, at, at what point do you start getting out you know, to the shops mm. and people start to come up to you and say, "Hey, I'm but loving your work on Idol." It, it was, it was pretty quick, and um, weirdly, there was a 
period where my mum actually visited family for the like first time in a long time in India. So she came back from India and there's people out the front of the house. At your with, house? Out, of our actual like residence, my parents' house, <laughs> with Go the Fro on these the posters. Fro. They knew I wasn't there. They're just out the front of my house. Just showing some love. So my mum comes back. She's like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> the hell is happening and so she she knew I was on the show but but there was this period where she went where it, things heated up and it got really popular and and people were really invested it happened really quick and life changed really really quick so how did it change for well, you well i noticed certain things like for me being like an adelaide boy like i came home and i filled in a game of indoor cricket so it, the, these are the things where you know it's it's different because that's that's just a part of my Wednesday that yeah. I just love. And look Wednesday with the to. boys indoor yeah. cricket, and and you know there's this bloke that worked there, Rich, and there's this hot girl, um, Kat, what was her name, Carrie, that worked behind. Like there's <laughs> they're asking me for a like. Rich was a machine, mate. He'd flick around his back, never miss. Like filled <laughs> it on the back on the back net, never miss. Like he, I I looked up to him so much because he was a gun player, and here I am. And Rich is asking for a photo and, and like, Kerry, Kerry, that was Kerry. her name. She made good sort. And she, <laughs> so, like, Kerry's getting a photo with me. Like, what? And then I get to Macca's where we always go, McDonald's at Tea Tree Plaza. After your indoor cricket. After, yeah. And, and they had these, like, go the fro McDonald's placemat things on the trays. It's you. And it's my face. Oh. Like, I'm putting down my chocolate thick shake. On my own face. With your cricket boys. Yeah. And then <laughs> it was just mind blowing. Like that's pretty, that's a lot to absorb. And I don't know, I didn't feel any different. I, I still don't feel different. It's, it's a, it's always a really difficult thing to explain to people. It's like, you don't, you don't wake up when something like that happens and you go, oh, I've, I, some people do. I think there's a lot of people that I do see in my industry and they they go, yeah, all the people that never believed me, yeah, look at me now. And they're like, I've never really had that. I don't feel any different. And so it's, it's just weird. It's a weird thing to explain to someone. But that's possibly why you're so loved by so many sections of the community because you started playing indoor cricket, having your tapes rejected, going on a show, becoming a big, big deal, and you didn't turn into a knob. I think how, you know, I explained to you before, it's 55 cents people voting in. Mm. How do you turn around when people have got you there? Like, like, cause a lot of the times it's a bit masked, like your fans getting you there, right? It's, it's, um, in sport you get there cause you, you, you're saying, Bob, no one can run faster than you. Yep. Like you've earned it. You've like, just physically can't argue with that. Sometimes in music, like the a song will go, you'll have a massive number one hit. It just happens. And, and I wrote the song. I made, that's all, that's all me. I, it's, it's my production. I wrote it and blah, blah, it's gone. And yet I think more than putting it on, on sort of the fact that I, I'm a, like, it's a good thing that I am. I think the process did it to me, like going through Idol where people, no, you didn't get there. They voted for you. Like they literally, you got there cause you, you can sing. Like, I'm not going to, Say I can I know I can sing yeah. and, and I've worked hard on that craft, but I reckon it's that. I, I reckon it's partly that and probably a personality thing. I've never I've never put people like I never had, you know, people on my wall as heroes. And I'm I'm not saying it's a bad thing when people do, but I've always had that thing like I've I've met 
you know, I sung for Oprah and, and I was buzzing, like I was freaking out. But then you hang out with them for five minutes and they're just, just a person. Mm. Like I've worked with my hero. His name's Brian McKnight, I mentioned him before. Yes. Now I wrote a song with him. First day I get there. To, what was the song? Um, Wait. It's called Wait. Not like losing weight, but it's in W-A-I-T. I got that. So I'm sitting in this session eventually pinching myself going, this is my hero, and we're recording voice notes of this song together and we're playing on. Like, what is going on? And I got to the hotel afterwards. I'm listening back to this voice note of me and him singing in the same room and like writing this song together that I ended up putting on, on an album. But but before that, I I got to the studio and I've, I'd flown to LA. I'm in Pasadena, like a long way to go. Just didn't rock up the first day. He didn't? No, it wasn't there the first day. The second day, it was like four or five hours late. And he's a lovely bloke. Like, he's a great bloke. but Not punctual, but lovely but yeah, bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, look, I'm not the most punctual person, but I'm not a day and a half late, you know? Like, maybe I was six minutes late here today or something. Nine, but yeah. yeah nine, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, you're good. No, but, but I don't know. I think I've, I've gone through these things where I go, it just, like, everyone's just a person. Yes. And so I've never really, I've always been able to separate, like I'll go, you're a freak, like what a sportsman, like, or what an artist or what a composer or, or, you know, in some ways I'll go, you're not human. Like that's unbelievable. But they very much are human because mm. they feel all the same things and they feel the same sadness and they feel the same joy. And um, so I've, uh, I don't know. I've been doing it for 20 years. I st- I'm still baffled by fame and what that means. And, I, and I, I've come to the conclusion it's just subjective based on people's personality. That is the end of Guy Sebastian Part A. Don't be missing Part B where the worldwide music release happens. Stick around. <laughs>